Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Some things seem impossible, but as Jesus said, with God, nothing is impossible. The women had watched where the body of Jesus was laid that Friday. They prepared spices and fragrant oils before the Sabbath rest that night. They watched with sorrow with those malicious attacks on the sinless one, that hatred and the vitriol. They heard those chilling words, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and on our children. They saw his bloodied body. They saw him go limp on the cross after he had said, It is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. They saw the soldier pierce his side and watch the blood and water flow forth. But they also heard Jesus speak before his crucifixion. They heard him say, See, we are going up to Jerusalem And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. On many occasions, Jesus said those words, but now the women No, they knew exactly what they saw. They saw how badly beaten his body was. Could a body mangled like that really live? Can it rise on the third day? Their eyes could not unsee the horrific things that happened to Jesus. And so they knew that Sunday morning, that the right thing to do now that the Sabbath rest is over is to give him that proper burial. They knew that they would find Jesus there dead and the tombstone sealing the entrance to the tomb. In a way, we are like those women. We want to be faithful. We hear the word of God. But then we hear one thing and then we witness something else and then we want to draw our own conclusions. How often have we heard the word of God tell us something and then we figure because of our own life experiences that something else must be true. That God doesn't understand us in the 21st century or that the scriptures are too irrelevant for our modern living. We may reason, I know God's word says I must go to church, but Sundays are the only day that I get to get things done or to sleep in. Others may reason saying, I know the Bible describes lots of miracles, but how could those miracles really happen when they don't seem to be taking place in those same ways today. 
Jesus prophesied his own death and resurrection by illustrating the prophet Jonah. Their God God raised up Jonah to be a prophet. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, a city, capital of Assyria, to a foreign country outside of God's Old Testament covenant and call on them to repent because if they do not, in 40 days they will be overthrown due to their wickedness. Assyria was viewed as an enemy to God's people, and yet Jonah is told to go. Jonah didn't say, okay, at your word, Lord, I'll go. Instead, Jonah hopped on a ship and bought a ticket to go to the furthest place he could possibly go because he didn't want those foreigners to be converted, and he didn't want to be an instrument in their conversion do you ever avoid the word because you do not want to have you do not want God to have his way with you? Do you want to keep on doing what you think is best for yourself instead of what God knows that you need? That is, my friends, the path to ensuring storms will arise in your lives. The world may make its peace with you. But avoiding life in Christ's kingdom means losing peace with God. When on that ship a storm raised up, threatening the lives of all on board, they found Jonah. They asked for his God to calm the storm, that he would call upon his God, our God, the one true God. Jonah said, throw me off the ship, throw me overboard to make the storm cease. But the captain of the ship is responsible for everyone on board, and so he did not want to do this. But as the storm continued to get worse, he decided he had to do what Jonah said. He threw Jonah overboard. And then he prayed, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. The storm then calmed, and the prophet that God raised up was swallowed up by a great fish, and Jonah was spit up on dry ground three days later. And Jonah, realizing that he cannot hide from God or get out of the job that God had placed before him, he goes to Nineveh, He walks up and down the streets of the city, calling on them to repent. And what do they do? They repented. This account is one of the most disputed and doubted miraculous accounts in the Bible. Many who consider themselves Christian do not think that these events could have possibly happened. While it seems impossible, with God, nothing is impossible. And Jesus himself confirms the account of Jonah. St. Matthew reports, Some of the scribes and Pharisees said, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus not only confirms the account of Jonah, but uses the account as an opportunity to alert his people that he will die and rise from the grave. I must admit, I'm always surprised by how people can reject some biblical narratives like Jonah or the parting of the Red Sea, and then they say they can accept the Son of God, who is God from all eternity, becoming a man in his incarnation, and then bearing our sins in his body, dying on the cross, and then rising triumphantly from the dead. In and of itself, his incarnation is a profound mystery. And then we hear that he, as God, can die, but not the Father and the Spirit, but only the Son. And then he rises from the dead. In his crucifixion, Jesus bears the sins of the entire world. He suffers the wrath of God for carrying our sins upon himself. And then he sheds his innocent blood as the all-sufficient payment for the sins of the entire world. And in the resurrection of our Lord, God the Father accepts the sacrifice which Jesus makes for us. And Jesus himself proves that death has no power over him. At Christmas, we love singing God and sinners reconciled. And that is precisely what Jesus does through his death and resurrection. Jesus came to reconcile us to our Father in heaven. What a joy. What a blessing. So these women who are wanting to give Jesus a proper burial, after that Sabbath rest is over, they go early in the morning on their way to the place where Jesus is buried, And then they wonder, who will roll this stone away? They knew the stone was very large. I don't know if they witnessed what happened on the Sabbath day, the day of rest, when the Pharisees requested to seal that that tombstone up as well as they could, and they were told, go ahead and do it. So not only is it a large stone, but they locked it into place and sealed it shut as good as anyone knew how. For those who hated Jesus wanted to make sure that no one would steal the body of Jesus. That way no one could stage a resurrection of Christ. They set a guard out to ensure that no one would even attempt to pick away at the entrance to the tomb to gain access to the body. A large stone was placed there. 
Unlike what we do when we lay our loved ones to rest, to await the glorious resurrection of all flesh on the last day at the cemetery, this stone was not placed there to serve as a grave marker, but it was there to keep everybody out. Today we use stones to mark the bodies of our loved ones who await that resurrection of all flesh on the last day because stones last and they have served as markers for centuries. And the people of Israel, after God miraculously brought them out of Egypt and now 40 years later they are ready to enter into the promised land, they are encamped on the east bank of the Jordan River And God causes the river to stop flowing so that the people of Israel could cross the river on dry ground. They used 12 stones to mark the occasion. Joshua told the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God delivered his people in those days. And through Christ's death and resurrection, God brings deliverance in our day as well. And just as Joshua commanded them to tell the next generation of the great deeds of God, so it is given for us to tell the next generation of the passion of our Lord Christ and his resurrection. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of this deliverance earned by Jesus We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Our faith comes about by hearing the word of God. And so through the prophet Ezekiel, God declared, I will give them a new heart and a new spirit that I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. God will turn our stone-cold hearts into warm hearts of faith, and he does so simply through the word of God. Not everyone believes, though, and so not everyone is saved. A year before our Lord's crucifixion, Jesus faithfully preached the word of God in the temple, saying, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said those words to the Jews who believed in him, because some did and some did not. After Jesus told the scoffers that their father is the devil, the father of lies, they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. They wanted to kill the Lord of life with stones. But Jesus hid himself and passed through the midst of them and escaped from the temple. So while lambs were sacrificed at the temple, 
that place was neither the time nor the place for the Lamb of God to be sacrificed. Then that following year at the right time, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He did not hide himself. And the Bible says Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The large stone that was supposed to contain Jesus forever had no power over God, our creator. When the women looked up as they approached the burial site, they found that the stone had already been rolled away. It may have seemed impossible to them, but with God, nothing is impossible. The angel told them the good news. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. Take a look around. You will not find him here. But, and go tell others that he lives. What a joyous message. Our God is not dead, but he lives. He is triumphant. His resurrection means that we too can live eternally by abiding in Christ. And so we abide in hope as we walk through this fallen world, knowing that with God, all things are possible. Amen. Jesus lives. The victory is won. Hallelujah. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.